We'll wait one more minute. It looks like we're still got folks coming in. <clears throat> We're in Revelation chapter 3. We're on the fifth stop of a seven-stop tour that Jesus takes us through in Revelation 2 and 3. Tonight we'll be in uh, Philadelphia. But before we, before we do, we'll have an opening prayer for our class. <clears throat> Almighty God in heaven, thank you. Thank you for a beautiful day and Thank you for our health and our blessings. Thank you for all of our families. Thank you for our church family. Thank you for your word, which we can study even this evening as we read about the churches, seven churches of Asia, and how we can make application to our church here, Lord's church here, and to our lives as individuals. Please be with us this evening, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Just raise your hand if you'd like to make a comment as we go along. I'll try to look up occasionally and see where we are, and, and I'll be glad for you to have a brief comment if you'd like. I think before we get started, even before we do a little bit of a review, I'd like for you to turn to Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. I was thinking about that uh, these verses this week and how it applies to <clears throat> how it applies to the book of Revelation and how it applies to us. Uh, Romans chapter 5. I know we're kind of getting in the middle of a thought here. I guess I could go up and read the first two verses. I may as well to get a context. Romans 5. We'll start with verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now notice, <clears throat> and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So. One of the, the question, I guess it's almost a rhetorical question now, but is there any benefit in tribulations and persecutions? When you're going through them? <laughs> not, not, so, not so much, we think, at the time, but actually there is, there are. There are benefits to being, uh, to, to enduring perseverance, and it says, or tribulation, which is what they were going through, and it's not too big of a stretch to say that um, we are going through somewhat and maybe we'll go through even more in this country. But tribulations produces perseverance. What's another word for perseverance? Patience, endurance, we'll, we'll go with any of those. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. Um, so I put that, I, well, I actually went back, I didn't have it before, and I put it at the very beginning up in the top margin of the book of Revelation. I, I think that's a really, at least in my mind, a really good um, 
um, place to start when we're talking about the seven churches of Asia and when we are even um, making an application to ourselves. Sometimes we think, uh, why is this happening to me? Uh, why is this happening to my family? Well, I don't know. Don't know. Uh, why, why are things happening to the church here or, or elsewhere? I don't know. But I know what Romans 5 says. It says eventually this perseverance produces in the ultimate hope and character and all these things. Good to see you in the back. I didn't see you earlier. Um, so I, I think that's a good place to start. Uh, let's take a quick review on where we are. We're at stop five, Philadelphia. Um, where's the first stop that we made? Ephesus, and what was Ephesus' problem? They did a lot of good things, but they forgot something. They forgot Jesus. They forgot the love for him and the love for the brethren. What about, ne what about next? Uh, Smyrna. What was Smyrna's problem? They had problems, but they didn't have problems with the Lord, or the Lord didn't have problems with them. That's one of the two churches that, that he only had commendations uh, for. Okay, and then we remember the PTS. That's how we can remember post-traumatic stress. So uh, what's the P stand for? Pergamum. What about Pergamum? Anybody remember about Pergamum per, or Pergamus? It would, yeah, they were a little bit of a compromising church, even though the Lord said some good things about them. Uh, but he said, remember the, the Balaam and Balak, and they were following after some sexual immorality things and, and that kind of thing. Okay, then the T of PTS would be Thyatira. What about that? The Lord said that, that they had love, service, and patience. That sounds pretty good. Thyatira did have a lot of good said about, to say about, the Lord said about them. What else? But you've got Jezebel there, you know. Um, I don't think it's a literal Jezebel, but it was someone like her in the church who was teaching uh, some, some false sayings. They called her a prophetess who was, who was leading some astray. And in Sardis, which we talked about Sunday, that's the PTS, that's the S of PTS, Sardis, what about Sardis? They were the living dead. Yeah, I think it was a movie one time, The Night of the Living Dead or something. I don't like horror movies. Never did. He was a kid. Um, but they were, their reputation or the people in the community said that they were alive. What did Jesus say? You're dead. You're dead. And what did he say to all the, uh, five of the seven churches? I know, well, he said, all, no, that's a good point. He said, I know your works in all seven, basically. But what about the f uh, five? I want you to repent. You've got to repent. He didn't say, I'm giving up on you. You're done. He said, you better repent, and you better do it quickly. Uh, because I'm going to come quickly. Um, so, Sardis, and then tonight's Philadelphia, and then, of course, the last one, which... I think we can do Philadelphia in one night. I first thought two, but uh, we'll see how it goes. But I think uh, a Laodicea we may do two because there's a lot, of, a lot of lessons there. We'll see. And then Sean will be gone for uh, the week of spring, uh, spring break, 
And we built in a little fluff there, so probably one or two classes, probably two classes while he's gone, but he wants to start in Revelation 4 fresh. And that's good. I'm ready to sit down and get somebody up here <laughs> knows what they're talking about. And then, um, so a couple of weeks there, we'll have time to review and, and, and do some little exercises and some thought things and make some applications. So it won't be a problem to stretch it out a, a, a class or two. Uh, for the equivalent of, of one week. So we'll do that. Philadelphia. <clears throat> Philadelphia was um, started, uh, founded in 189 BC. Now is that, what about the other churches so far? Was that before 189 or after 189? Much before. 500, 600, almost 700 BC. So that was anywhere from 350 to 450 years after these others started, before Philadelphia got started. It was founded in 189 B.C. And I have to look at this guy's name because it's, it's all I can do to remember mine. The king there, of course, it was, I guess, 189. The Romans would already be there, but before that it would be the Greek city-states where you had kings of each of the cities. Uh, King Italus Philadelphus II. Italus Philadelphus I should have stopped right there. <laughs> and that's one you just don't pass on. But anyway, the second built a city. He didn't have any heirs. He had no children. It's kind of interesting. No children. But he had a brother named Ecumenes II. And they were... They were really, really close brothers, so he named uh, the city, I guess somewhat after himself, but after his brother, um, that's where we get the name City of Brotherly Love, Philadelphia. Um, what country is that today located in? Turkey. Turkey, the country of Turkey. Okay. Uh, it was a rich farming region a very fertile place, a lot of vineyards. Now, if you're going to have gods, little g, what might be one of the gods you would want there? Bacchus? Dionysia? Um, I don't know if she was, she might have been the god of wine also, but I know that Bacchus, you know they, how they had different uh, names for the same little g. Okay, well, yeah, but was she the goddess of wine? Of who? <laughs> you go to school with him? <laughs> you live by the sword, Don. You die by the sword, brother. <laughs> but as <laughs> Don and I are good friends, we, you couldn't say that just to anybody, could you, Don? Uh, but Bacchus, <clears throat> the god of wine, they had a lot of vineyards there, so you would expect that they would have uh, the god of wine, and they did, and, and they did. Vineyards and farmland, a lot of um, festivals dedicated to Bacchus, uh, uh, the Greek god of wine. And remember, we've talked about the last two or three, I think Thyatira, Sardis, there was an earthquake in 17 AD. And it destroyed every one of those cities. Can you imagine? You know, we'll have a little earthquake in California, and it'll maybe destroy it. But these destroyed cities that were 30 and 40 miles apart, completely destroyed them all. 
So that was, they didn't have the Richter scale, but that was a big one. That was the big one. And it was uh, rebuilt also with the help of the Roman uh, government. They did something similar like they did in Sardis where they gave them a rebate uh, for, for a few years so they could rebuild, and their taxes so they could rebuild. Um, but it was interesting, at least in this one, you probably read the same thing. <clears throat> the people of Philadelphia didn't want to go back in the city. There were too many aftershocks. You know, we hear about that on the news. You had the big one, then you had the aftershocks. Well, in Philadelphia, there were aftershocks that went on for a long, long time. So the people built their houses on the outside of the city so that they didn't have things crumbling down on them. Uh, which is kind of interesting because I didn't read that about any other cities other than, other than Philadelphia, but they just refused uh, uh, to, to live in the city. Uh, the city originally was built as a missionary city, a missionary city, and the idea was to, this was going to be the center, or at least one of the centers, of spreading the Greek culture. Spreading the Greek culture, a missionary city. Um, like a lot of these, it was on the main highway. Um, but also, <clears throat> before we get into the actual text, we'll get there in just a second. What was said negatively about the city of Philadelphia, the church at Philadelphia, not the city, church? Anything negative? No, no. Uh, it appears that, and we'll, we'll touch on that when we get into it, some, uh, at least it's implied that possibly Philadelphia was a small church. A small church, and I'll tell you why I think that in a little bit. Um, also, there's a few clues. They had quite a few temples there. And as we get toward the end of the, I don't know, maybe verse 11 or 12, I can't remember now, we have to look, but when it says, talk about the church there, I'm going to make you a pillar in the temple of God. Did they understand pillars and temples? They sure did. And that's the beauty of, of the Lord walking through. I know where your eye salve is made in Laodicea. I know where the medical schools are. I know uh, where the temples are that maybe were left standing, the pillars after the earthquake. And so they could take that information and understand exactly what the Lord was talking about. That's the beauty of him walking through the churches. He says, I see everything. I know everything. I'm, I'm active in all the churches. I see what's going on. You can't fool me. I know what the church is doing, and I know what each individual is doing. That's comforting, but it can also be a little bit scary. Can it? I see Michelle shaking her head. Yes, it can. Um, so the idea being we can't hide from him, and we better get everything squared away while we can. All right, now having said all, uh, before, any questions before we get into verse 1? I think there's 13 verses in this. The last one only had six or seven verses, but we're, we're in good shape time-wise, I think. Lance. Oh, for sure. And that's something that is quite often missing in our culture today. For the record, because it's you know, being videoed, uh, that's really good. Um, 
it implies this Jesus knowing everything about us, it implies accountability. Accountability and responsibility. And you're right, in our society, that's something that can be a little lacking at times. We see it at work, back when I worked. We, we could see it in a lot of places, but and I see a lot of head shaking there too. Isn't that true? It really is. Um, so he says, when I tell you all these things, I'm holding you accountable for them. Holding you accountable. I think it's a really good point. Uh, any, another point before? Yes, sir. That, that's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. Of course, the church is made up of individuals. But it is addressed to you and me. That's a, that's a fact. And keep in mind, too, that's a really good point. We're at stop number five. And let's just say this uh, from Patmos, and you took the mail route, and that was a mail route around, as we talked about. By now, when it gets to the, the church at Philadelphia, they've read all this other already. This wasn't just, you pull out your part there, uh, church at Ephesus or the church at Sardis. They read it all. So if you don't get the word accountability or an individual responsibility by then, probably got a problem. Really good point, sir. Two very good points, actually. Uh, Gary. Yeah, John said he was told to write it in a book. It wasn't just single letters. No, that's right. That's right. And it's been a book ever since, call it 100 AD, somewhere in there, when the last apostle died, somewhere in there. It's been written in a book for all his people for the last 2,000 years, roughly. Really good. Good points. And to the angel of the church at Philadelphia, in Philadelphia, write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, going to talk about that in a second, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. Does the Lord identify himself as Jesus, the Son of God here? Uh, no. Uh, no, he doesn't say that. And, and, and maybe it a trick question, Gary. I wasn't trying to catch anybody. But in the previous four churches, particularly the last one, he says he identifies himself as Jesus. And the others... He identifies himself as this and this and this. So by now, if you haven't got who's writing this, you're not reading very carefully. Uh, but he did not really go any further. Now he does say, uh, the key of David and all this certainly identifies Jesus. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, he, he, but he doesn't um, specifically say, say his name at this point. He says, um, <clears throat> someone turn that's got a loud voice while I'm... Uh, Mark 11, 9 through 10. We're going to go there in just a second. Mark 11, 9 through 10. And then, uh, Ryan, how about turning to 1 Corinthians 16, 9. Just hold that. Doug, turn to 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 12. Hold that. Rick, how about doing Colossians 4 and verse 3. Colossians 4 and verse 3. Now, uh, and we're going to get to those, all, both of, all of those scriptures that pertain to these two points we're going to talk about. Um, he who has the key of David. Now, we, 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 what does that mean exactly, do you think? 
Certainly authority. Certainly authority. Nobody else well, yeah, we, that's Peggy. He owns it. Kingship. Even David himself said, my Lord said, let's see if I got this right. My Lord said to my Lord, sit here at my right hand. And this is David. And then Jesus quotes that later and says, how could, how could that be if he's, is he talking about himself? And we know all that. Don, go ahead. That's as far as we're going in Isaiah 22. <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> Obviously, we could spend a good bit of time there, and I did study him, but no, thank you. <laughs> All right. Uh, someone read, uh, Gary, I think, Mark 11, 9 through 10. Everybody follow or at least listen closely. Mark 11, 9 through 10. The coming of our kingdom of our father David. Everybody knew in the Old Testament, and, and even during this time, that this Messiah, now they didn't agree that this is who it was, but he's going to come and sit on David's throne. They thought what? They thought literally he's going to sit on David's throne. And, of course, he had lots of opportunities to try to correct that, and they just didn't, didn't get it. Um, so they knew well what that meant uh, about the key of David, the authority of David, and, and all the things we've talked about here. Uh, 1 Corinthians 16, 9, who was that? Ryan. For a wide door for effective service has opened to me. There are many adversaries. That's Paul talking to the Corinthians. Read that one more time, please. For a wide door for effective service has opened to me. Okay. Many adversaries. So even when their doors open, you can have problems, have adversaries, for sure. Okay, hold on to that thought. We're going to do Doug now. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, a door was opened for me by the Lord. The Lord opened the door for him at Troas. Interesting. And in Rick, uh, Colossians 4 and verse 3. Meanwhile, praying also for us, Yep. Paul prayed that God would open a door. He said, even though I'm, I'm his servant, I'm a prisoner of his, God will open a door, prayed for an open door. Paul said, I have an open door. Now, there's going to be adversaries on the other side of that door, but what does an open door obviously imply? Access. Opportunity, big, big opportunity, but certainly access. Now, just think for a second. We'll talk, talk about this Sunday. Uh, I don't know, maybe you haven't studied that yet, or maybe you have, but what, what kind of door of opportunity did we see at Laodicea? How was the door, was the door open or closed at Laodicea? Well, they weren't, but it was actually closed. Who closed it? They did. 
They did. That's right. No, you don't. Uh, they had closed the door on the Lord, and he's knocking. Would you please open up and let me come in to have the opportunity? But you've shut the door on me. Is that the picture you see here at Philadelphia? No, 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 no. No, the door's open. Now, what does that say? Uh, our brother mentioned that back there. What does that say about the church there and the individuals in the church there? What were they doing evidently? Remember, uh, we're gonna, Lord, Paul said, open the door that we'll have an opportunity to preach the word. Doors open. So what implication is that? What were they doing? Preaching the word. Teaching the word. And Laodicea, who thought they had everyone on top of the world, evidently were not doing much of that, if any. Interesting, um, I think, comparison there. And do you think when they got to Laodicea, they, they, they picked that up, the, the implication of that? Hope they did. Hope they did. We don't know. We, we just don't know. Questions, comments on, on uh, verse number 7. You, you, see the, you see the two major points there. The key of David. Well, what, what did Jesus say about when he talked to Peter about, uh, said, who, who am I? Who do people say that I am? And, and some say this, some say that. Who do you say I am, Peter? You're the son of God. And what did, how did Jesus respond to that? I'm going to give to you the keys of the kingdom, this opportunity. Now, do we see Peter doing anything with those keys and opportunities? Acts chapter 2. For sure. For sure. Questions on, uh, Don, go ahead real quick. Excellent point. They were. They were taking advantage of that open door. Now, here's the, all this is wonderful. Let's make application to the church today, and we'll say here, or Valley, it could be anywhere. What, what's the implication for us? Now, you know we got COVID. La-di-da. What about it? We do have COVID, and we've got all these crazy things going on. But did the Lord say, shut it down as far as uh, making disciples? I, I don't see that caveat over in Mark 16 and other places. Can, it, can this be a positive, this, this COVID thing? How? Uh, Sean and Doug. And what, no, that, that's a really good point. What's the implication for you and me? To, 
to be yes and to be listening listening for what you know he says he who has ears to hear let him let him hear not only hear my word but listen listen for opportunities at the grocery store at wherever sometimes people will reveal you know I, you know i'm just boy this is just i don't know this is going to be the end i'm just uh, i've never been religious but you know i've but, but, Look for that opportunity. So look for opportunities, even during tough times. We just read Romans 5. It produces perseverance and endurance and, and eventually hope. Doug, go ahead. I'm sorry. And then Gary. What if you I'm on vacation, though? There's no off time. And we're all going to get old one day. And, but I, I never will forget, one of our heroes used to sit back, boy, number six pew there. She wore red every Sunday. She was 100, almost 101 years old, Miss Blanche Ferguson. Stone cold deaf, almost. Couldn't see, couldn't sing. But did she encourage you? Oh, my goodness. Well, I don't get anything out of the service. Well, you hear people, I can't come or whatever. Did we get anything from Miss Blanche, Sister Blanche? Yes, we did. Now, eventually, we're all going to all get so old where all we can do is probably sit there if the Lord lets us live and do the best we can. But, you know, like Don, but you can, you can sit there and be an example. <laughs> I'm finished now, Don. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, no. Okay. But you never get too old to be an example because you don't know who's watching, whether it's in the church or neighbor or whatever. People are watching, and they're looking for inconsistencies in your life, too. Well, I wouldn't go there because, you know, so well, don't give them that opportunity. So I know your works. Individually accountable, individually responsible, for sure. Um, Gary, and then we better move. The question was, any positive mm -hmm. I remember for me, and I'm thinking maybe last April or May, the thought was going through my head, am I going to trust the Lord or the government with this? <laughs> and when you guys decided to come back, I was, I was more than just that. We were in Sean has a saying that it'll either make you mean or green. And I've heard that before. I, I think this COVID and all this stuff is either going to make us bitter or better. There'll be some that we won't see again. Their faith got weak and they fell away. And you're hearing that around the country. Maybe this was a test, a metals test, to see if we have any metal and refine that metal. But was it hard? It was very difficult. The elders, we've never been here before. And we looked at each other more than once going, what are we going to do, Dave? Dave goes, I don't know, Rick. What are you going to I don't know. <laughs> but we finally did our best to work it out. Um, 
But, you know, Isaiah hid in a, hid a cave, in a cave. And the Lord said, and there were people after him for his life. And he said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Get you something to eat and drink and you get out of here and get busy. Well, we can't hide in the cave. We got to get after it. Yes, sir. That's a good point. That's a very good point. And, you know, with, with Zoom and all these things, and we, we've done all of that as well. We're still doing, still doing some of it. <clears throat> but it's not a replacement for meeting face-to-face. It's not. Temporarily, okay. At some point, where's the candlestick removed? I don't know. But it's not a replacement. No, but that's a good point. It did open up media that we have learned to use better, maybe, than we, than we were before. Uh, yes, sir. Oh, we're not going to get finished. That's okay. We'll finish Sunday. Yes, sir. Yes. Great points, absolutely great points. And everyone had to, had to make decisions in their own context, but the overarching context is this right here. And while we have judgment, we, and we used our judgment, and other places elders using their judgment, uh, the bottom line is how much damage have we done to our children with schools being closed and then with classes being closed Maybe irreparable. I don't know. Only the Lord knows that. Um, but this has been a been a tough year, and I'm glad to hear some states have had enough and they're opening up. Good points. Yeah, we may as well get another comment or two, and I'll just start with verse. It won't take long on Sunday. Uh, verse um, ten on Sunday. One other one, Ryan, and then Jason, and then we'll. Uh, that's true. Jason? Right. That's a good point.
No, those are really good points. We had a brother sit back there. He had both legs cut off, diabetes and all that. He was always here. Brother Timothy Barge, who is one of the heroes of almost everybody in this church, had more things wrong with him. And unless he was in intensive care, he was here. And you're 30-something and you can't make it. Not buying it. Just not. Um, did the second bell ring? Maybe we ought to quit with that one. Well, with the last 30 seconds, I'll give you another opinion. <laughs> I've, I've, I, the, the thing that struck me with all this is the inconsistencies. We, we have our mask on. When you walk in a restaurant, we sit down and we start eating and drinking and the mask can come off because you know COVID stops at that table. <laughs> I better stop with that because it may, may, <laughs> might get political here pretty quick, but you can come across the border with COVID and they let you in, but yet you can't go across the state line with COVID. Eh, not buying it. All right, we better stop with that before I get in too much trouble. <laughs>